Welcome back to Gear and Beer. Today, our guest is Tom Beaupre of Philadelphia, now living in Nashville, of course. Tom, cheers, bro. Thank cheers. you for coming through, man. Thanks for having me. I like to try to sip superfluously. <laughs> I also like to try to say the word superfluously and then continue to enunciate. I'm going to let you take that one. <laughs> it's a show It's a show that involves beer. Sometimes enunciation is not the best. Hey. I'll just keep sipping. Exactly. Let's just, let's rage. <laughs> no, thanks for coming, man. Uh, Tom, bass player, writer, producer, financial advisor, uh, dad, yeah, husband, man of many parts. I used to tune pianos. Really? Yeah, fun fact. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I don't think I've ever actually known anyone that can tune a piano. Yeah. Uh, I met a guy at Starbucks that would come in at like 10 a.m. every day. So I used to work down in Franklin, Starbucks. That was like my first job in Nashville. And uh, Carrie Underwood's bass player would come in. I was like, oh, that's cool. We'd talk to him, whatever. And then this dude would come in at like 1030 every morning. I was like, what do you do that you get your coffee at 1030? He's like, tune pianos. Actually, I'm like finishing my day. And so I I apprenticed under him for like a year. And then it's like uh, bouncing around studios and yeah, tuning pianos. Yeah. Yeah. So essentially, 10 p.m. 10 a.m. downbeat, he'd have to be done. So yeah, he'd yeah. start at like 4:30. So jeez, oh, uh, yeah, man, I did that for like four or five years. Like that is a kind of counterproductive paid. schedule to try to be a musician when yeah. you're not doing that. Yeah, it was how I like paid my bills when when we were in van and trailer. And does it take just a, a, a set of wrenches and uh, yeah, some, mutes and wrenches and then a really fancy tuner? And now that you can buy like a thirty dollar app that'll do it all for you but back in the back in 2007 it was like a thousand dollar tuner that can do all the equal temperament and that stuff yeah oh yeah i guess that makes sense you have to adjust certain tensions and stuff to for the just the equal temperament yeah google google equal temperament uh but no dude i like tune for uh make me make me a show note i'm gonna make a link yeah um i like i met dave cobb tuning for his his stuff like oh, back in the dope. day and like i got into the studio world and and met a ton of people it was really weird and then to come back like as a bass player be like hey man and they're like you tune my piano <laughs> I was like, yeah so yeah that's pretty funny fun fact well by god we i don't think i've ever talked to a piano tuner definitely not on this podcast yeah let's go the world needs piano tuners because i've had to learn plenty of songs that are somewhere between a and b flat and it's just like we can't get a guy to tune this thing or like like, what's happening here yeah Um, not the most exciting thing to do for an hour but it's just (laughs) well necessary evil perhaps otherwise you have other kinds of evil (laughs) a a a almost b flat right 1970 records yeah i mean and that's kind of cool too though yeah yeah have you ever tuned like learned a record where you're just like what tuning is this and then you're like oh it's just a little flat (laughs) yeah uh bluest eyes in texas by restless heart is like not quite b flat and an unwound by george Strait is like not quite b flat <laughs> yeah, but yeah. it's also not an a right, so like, right. well, i guess we're using like quarter tones to tune. tune to the same piano yeah. <laughs> yeah and then you know that's what it was it was just tuning to whatever the studio piano was right right which funny thankfully now people are tuning those <laughs> and they're also not using them yeah um that's that's okay too soundscape i uh do you know piano player josh schultz plays for cole swindell by yeah, yeah yeah i was uh i was playing downtown 
and I turned around and the ZMT stage was outside and I was like, Oh, there's Josh. And he like caught me take a picture of him. This is a pretty funny picture. But, uh, <laughs> That's I, awesome. I don't even know why. I was, oh, piano. He plays the piano. He does. <laughs> yep. He plays piano on the intro to this show as well as the interim music that I use a lot of the time. Oh, nice. He's a very talented young boy. Yeah. He is. Lyndon McCarty over here is always twisting and t- as as most always uh, twist, <laughs> yeah. twisting and tweaking. I guess he wasn't here last week when engineer Boo Massey and myself managed to uh, miss our, our time four times in a row. We the camera ran out of oh it's really cut off almost four times in a row. <laughs> Do better, Boo. <laughs> I mean, it was me too. I had it. I just. I, I, I wasn't paying any attention. Uh, yeah, we had an engineer last last week, and most of the time it's guitar players. We had a couple of drummers. I think you're the fourth bass player. Is that correct? Ooh, man. Brian, Johnny, and uh, Mike. Michael, Rennie. Yep. Lucky number four. I if there's anybody else. Batting cleanup. I think that's it. I think that is it. Yeah. There's, a, there's a lot of good bass players, and I, you know... Bass gear is fun too. So you're you're doing the Luke Bryan thing. You were doing Florida Georgia Line forever. Before that, what what were you doing? Tuning pianos. <laughs> <laughs> no, I uh, so I moved to Nashville in 2007. Oh, um, dope. I didn't really know anybody. I was doing like the cover thing in Philly, and it was sort of like moved to New York, do the jazz thing, which I couldn't keep up with. I went up there for like three weeks, and I was just like, oh, these guys are good, <laughs> you know, and uh, and not the scene shit. I wanted to get into or do the pop thing up in New York, and I um, was a white kid from Philly, so I didn't really make that cut either. Uh, and so my aunt and uncle lived down here, so I just said, screw it, let's move oh, to Nashville. Cool. Did an internship in, like, 2004 down here. And I was like, Nashville seems like a dope town, let's go. Uh, so I worked at Starbucks, just kind of made my way, met people, uh, sold merch for some Christian bands for, like, four years oh right on um kind of like got into one of their side projects playing bass did that and then just eventually like moved in with brian and tyler from fgl and uh ended up just like perfect timing quit my gig because i just was like i'm not i didn't move to nashville to sell t-shirts you know sure and, uh, and they just happened to be like hey we're gonna our songwriting is going well and every time we play a show in town acoustic like it more people show up so we're going to do a band thing do you want to play bass and i was like yeah let's go so um and then chase rice moved in and i played with him and so i just kind of alternated whoever was like going out that weekend played with johnny diaz who was a christian artist like just uh, a bunch of like people you've never heard of just like play guitar and writers rounds and bass. Sure. i just like did the normal nashville thing hustling you know? man yeah very so, real yeah, yeah, very yeah. real thing to do here for sure so that's and pretty then, dope. Uh, all of a sudden, I got a phone call. Like I was actually tuning a piano. I remember, <laughs> and uh, the man, their manager, FGL's manager at the time, calls and he's like, "Hey, man, booked a tour. Uh, you're going to be gone a lot. You cool with that?" And I was like, "Yeah, let's go." <laughs> As and a matter then, of fact, I uh, and then we did a really busy summer tour. The very next year, we did 260 shows. So that is a freaking yeah. lot of so, shows, bro. Yeah. It, 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 it all happened quick, but it was it was, was that like, in support of 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 cruise and all that yeah yeah. Okay. so like we were doing we were like pretty busy every weekend just about opening for colt ford and Corey smith and whoever else would have them and then uh cruise came out and we did the cmt tour with jake owen love and theft and then by the end of that fall it was just like 
it was getting pretty nuts. Uh, Cruz had come out. It was starting to peak. Uh, and then that next year, we were doing Luke Bryan. What, what year is that? So 2012 was that first year. I was, that was right after Love and Thefts. Uh, in July. Yeah, that was all that. 2011, yeah. I think, right? Yeah. And actually, I, I played with them a couple years ago, played bass, and I'm actually uh, going out in two weeks with them, doing a couple dates for my buddy Lee is their band leader, the yeah. piano player. And, and I'm going to be playing guitar for most of the show and bass for several songs oh, as well. <laughs> That's fun. It is. I love those guys. They're, they're awesome. They, they are. Cool music, too. Yeah. Wrong Baby music. Wrong is, is my favorite tune. That's a good I one. didn't even know that was theirs. I was familiar. I had learned the Martina version. Yeah. yeah. You know? And, yeah, that's uh, awesome. Their version rules, too. Yeah. Uh, so, Sorry, end of 12. I interrupted you. No, I love it. No, so I got to know those guys really well, and Steven um, and Eric, but Steven especially, like, was so supportive, and, like, uh, he was kind of like a friend in that, like, weird FGL world before FGL was a thing. Um, and so I, like, get into tour with Steven at that level, and, like, I knew Kanan Smith, who had written uh, Runaway. Um, and so it was, like, worlds colliding it in 2012, and then 13, we opened for Luke Bryan, opened for Taylor Swift, did a headlining tour and that was like 260 so it was like that a radio so tour <laughs> directs or uh sorry first to three with luke first to i don't remember and you were doing the radio stuff too yeah so we did a lot of them because a lot of them it was just like they had it was were like you playing an acoustic bass or were you playing no, guitar we, we would do like a power acoustic type thing um or i would play ganjo <laughs> oh that's cool so we were still like a three-piece at that time and so like I, would, I was singing a lot of the harmony, so I was just like, I learned the banjo parts, and then it was uh, acoustic, me on banjo, a cajon, and then the two guys. And so that was kind of the workaround. And then uh, it started, like, exploding so big that these lunch hour radio, you know, where most bands get, like, 20, 50 people, it was like 300 people were showing up. So we started doing, like, small rooms. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was wild. So That's, that was that, a weird year. That, I was about to say, that was quite the phenomenon at the time. It was yeah. like a real explosion for those guys yeah. and, and for for you i guess yeah it was wild that's pretty awesome man and so now you're doing the luke thing and ha you've done how many how many dates in vegas we were uh 22 yeah wow you've done 22 shows out there well no it was like oh gosh i don't know three six uh like 10 shows 11 shows oh okay you're 22 days yeah 22 Co days so i got a call and then a week later i was in vegas so uh, and then we did like three or four rehearsal days and then just hit it, you know? So it was a lot to learn, you know, it's like 12 years, like most of those guys have been there 12 years. So it wasn't like learn the record. It was like, learn all these weird things yeah. we've added. Over the last 12 learn years. how we've been doing this for, yeah. for so, half a decade. Yeah. My brain was fried for sure, but it's, it's been cool. It, how many, it uh, how many minutes of music you all doing? 90? Uh, yeah. Just about 90. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. It's Hitting like, off. well, we play maybe 75, something like that. And then Luke does like this a piano thing where it turns into a bit of a like jukebox moment oh yeah he's he's uh it's impressive you know he just is this like encyclopedia of 90s country man i've oh, heard that cool. about him yeah. and i've heard that about blake shelton with any decade it's just yeah. like try to stunt blake shelton and you can't oh, kind bonkers. of a thing I've, I've, but i've heard that about luke too yeah, man i asked him about it i was like do you prepare this stuff because like it was literally like a different song every day where like there was the same like two or three and then like he would just think of a random it was just song. stream of consciousness and you're just like 90s and he was like no like he's like i'm an elephant when it comes to lyrics like i could sing you almost any 90s cover and he's like and then i just fumble through to try to learn it as i'm playing it and so the chords were <laughs> here and there but every i was like how do you know there's many songs it was it was, it was pretty wild to see 
that's especially tough to do with lyrics because that's the most important right. part. That's what ninety percent of the audience is connecting yeah. with. They're not, unfortunately for us, they're not connecting with our sweet bass riffs <laughs> well, or our sweet guitar riffs. Speak for yourself. Uh, well, no, I try to bring the thunder, bro. Yeah. Uh, so, what what rig are you playing for that? Are you doing a totally a direct rig? Because you guys yeah, are you yeah, guys yeah. tucked away in like an orchestra kind of thing on the no. side like katie perry's people were in that no, theater no, no thankfully because i talked to tony Roast, royster about that and he was basically like in the balcony yeah that, playing the drums <laughs> it's a weird setup for them i saw that and i was like well oh, that's interesting uh no we're like in the middle of the stage there's uh maybe i would say a dozen risers that all move independently which is kind of wild and so like yeah. uh you know hydraulic <clears throat> risers yeah i'll were, i'll go from about i don't know four feet all the way up to 15 feet depending on the song and it's it's really fun and um it's a big production which was cool yeah, i, I can like, imagine right, shit, this is awesome so vegas man you got to do it uh, yeah I, w- I would love to see that show so. yeah it's pretty wild um but no so they gave me the option um of running whatever i wanted and uh for the last like five years i use that subway di the um the preamp di that they have okay uh and it's it's incredible um subway di yeah it's uh, i've heard of it sorry the mesa mesa makes it and it's called the subway di and it it really has like so it's uh i think the preamp tubes and then you really have control over um a whole bunch of different parameters um from you know your like eq down to like you know your uh what else do they have i should have brought it that would have been smart um (laughs) (laughs) yeah just put a picture on it welcome Uh, back to and beer and beer yeah (laughs) Um, (laughs) that's good the important things as a bass player you're like oh i'm good man i was a bass tech for a minute and other than like having to remember to put the bases out there and give them to him every occasionally like my main focus was making sure there was water and beer yeah pretty much as as a bass tech that's yeah you know and beer well if you're married or have dated somebody and they come to a show and you're like, what'd you think of the bass? They're like, sure. Which one was that? Yeah. <laughs> Is that the one that you're doing? It's like the big guitar, right? It's the big guitar. It's the yeah. dad guitar. Yeah. Uh, I was a good story. I was, uh, so I was newly married and I was up at, uh, the in-laws and we're listening to the radio and my mother-in-law was like, um, I hope she doesn't mind me telling us words. Whatever. Uh, I doubt she'll see this. Yeah. <laughs> You'd be surprised. I, don't know. Uh, I mean, we're making the rounds. Yeah. We've got like, you know, a couple of monthly listeners. There does does she go. like gear and does she like beer? She likes beer. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> so it's a 50 50 chance. I yeah. actually heard that she was in a market for a stereo tremolo pedal. Yeah. <laughs> she, she's always, yeah. <laughs> Well, it's that page gear sluts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I hope she doesn't hear this. <laughs> oh, just kidding. Uh, no, so like uh, round here was on the radio and she was like, so what part are you? And uh, I was like, oh, okay, wait till the bridge. You'll be able to hear the bass. And the bass like does this little solo or like bass part that is very clear in, in the bridge part. I go, oh, that's me. And then she goes, so do you like just fake the rest of it? And I was like, no. There's like low notes. Do you fake the rest? I, was like, I don't just stand there. I was like, people just don't, you know, and it's like, it's it's painfully clear that people just don't know what a bass is um, until you play the wrong note. And then everybody goes, Whoa. right. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, but that's the no best. No margin pay, for yeah, error there. The best bass player is one that no one knows is there, which 
nothing you do for us gearheads uh the bass player was called the bass player he didn't have a name so fun fact uh everybody in that movie had a name except him he was That's just the bass player awesome. i never realized that. i didn't yeah, yeah. i didn't realize that either yeah which is painful but you're like well i got a point <laughs> well you can be the bass player and you can get paid yeah and you can do your thing or you can be a lead bass player and we have to work real hard real to make hard. the same kind of money yeah you're yeah even i mean with the exception of like you know victor wooten and marcus miller thundercat yeah yeah. but thundercat's bringing audiences through producing so i I would say that he is notably a producer at this point yeah for sure i just mean his separate artist career i I always felt like it was like really niche compared to like uh well, you know what marcus miller is selling out theaters and shit is thundercat doing shows that big oh i'm sure he is i mean I, i'm sure he is now i just don't i didn't know about back then he he would never tour and marcus miller was coming through like every six weeks oh know? really yeah. yeah what helped and, and ruling and he always had a yeah. new band yeah badass band too i mean it helps that he toured with like you know uh miles davis back in the day that does help yeah. he was one of Absolutely. the one of the better uh more, not better he was one of the more unique later guys was he in the band no not at the same time as foley right there was two bass players when it was foley foley played that piccolo bass played mm-hmm. like lead bass yeah, yeah and then who was the other guy i don't know I, I, it uh, might have been marcus miller i'll consult my handheld supercomputer yeah do me a, <laughs> do me a favor and yeah. uh see if you can blast your question into the ether and uh, gather some answers that somebody can satellite beam back to you will do thanks <laughs> i always think about the like um like you two's a prime example like oh there's bono there's the edge and then there's the other two guys and i'm like they both all or all four of those guys make the same money maybe potentially let's say they, they make probably the same money through songwriting right. and and performance royalties maybe not through advertising and right. personal revenue maybe like which Bono is still probably edge. plenty and i can't imagine they do pat they no. do poorly and they can go to the grocery store you know what i mean that's like, true maybe not in ireland but maybe, yeah like it, he could be shopping in franklin and i'd be like there's a normal dude probably you, you, and you th- that makes me think of guys like uh jason newstead yeah, yeah. and cursed novoselic and those guys it's like they were bass players that would get recognized because yeah. of the prominence of the narrow media market. You yeah. know, with it's like you're seeing these guys on MTV yeah. or in a hit parade magazine, or you're fucking not seeing. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? That's like Duff uh, or like Pete totally. Vance or like you know. And, but I think those guys wanted it. Where like a lot of bass players are like they're the bass player because they're cool with being the subtle behind the scenes, you know, and like don't want that you know leg up on while they're doing the solo and like totally you know and so there is like a person i've I've heard someone said it it, uh we're the way we are because like our our strings are thicker so we get more nickel in our blood (laughs) so it subdues us (laughs) that's uh fair enough (laughs) that is a that's a dense joke i enjoy (laughs) that yeah oh the dumbing down with the nickel (laughs) it's a real problem these days yeah 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 so um so you don't have you're just running ears and a, and a di you know yeah. and you're just feeling it from foh 
Yeah, yeah. Honestly, like... No side fills or anything? <clears throat> no, no. Um, I guess if you're 15 feet in the air, it doesn't matter if there are or right, there aren't. Yeah. <laughs> well, the problem is, like, so I had a cab on the, on the stage for a long, long time, and um, I feel like 90% of the times, unless it's, like, this close to you, you don't feel it anyways. And, like, and the size places that I guess you've been playing yeah. for the last however long now, it really doesn't matter. Yeah. Because you, you're absolutely right. And then the second they mic it, it's just you get all this weird noise, and then you get the pyro or cryo, cryo, cryo noise, and it's just like more of a hassle. And so they're just a clean DI. And then, you know, your ears guy is going to probably parallel compress it and do all this weird stuff that magic tricks to make it sound good in your ears. And then, yeah, that's true. Um, and then you have 16 subs in front of you that, like, most of the time you feel more just than a, anything else. Yeah, but it's like there's latency. Uh, I'm sure there is. I think in my head, I hear it so clearly that the feel of it, um, you know, to me, I, I, it, uh, the latency isn't about the feel. It's about the hear. Sure. And so, like, you just want the air kind of pressure. Well, so, you know I mean? yeah, to, to me, like, it feels like the air moves a little bit light with just subs. Mm-hmm. I can play like that. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. You know, you, everybody can at this point. We're just, you're so used to doing it. Yeah. But. I always play better, even yeah. in a place where I'm mostly feeling the subs. If I can stand close enough to hit myself in the ass with yeah. with some air, like or more importantly, the the waves hitting my instrument and making it react, that it makes it so much. It's like the the bass speaking on its own. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? I, that's club, what I love in a club when you got a, a big old eight te- eight by ten sitting right behind you and like. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like I agree that like there's nothing better than that. But um, that's that's why all those rock guys had like you know four stacks next to each <laughs> yeah, other. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, we had side fills for one tour, and that was like the greatest days of my life because like you really feel it I bet. appropriately. Yeah. Um, but for what we do and like the way it is, I'm getting enough off the off the main sub. So. Well, and you, and you guys have such you know high level production that just it just kind of changes the game as to like it just be, where it becomes impractical right because you're moving sure. around so much yeah, it's yeah. such a large space just like you were talking about unless you're standing near it which is probably not all the time it's yeah. not really going to matter yeah 100 percent. so it's just we're in a, a state of award show sound no matter <laughs> where we go yeah yeah that's pretty dope so you were briefly talking about uh the basis you guys were talking before I came in here uh, about what bases you were playing. Uh, mind going back through that, of course, for of my course. and their edification. Yeah. Uh, so I always uh, just was a Fender guy. That was like what I bought. Well, actually, I, I'm lying to you. My first was an Ibanez. Um, I got one of those like party packs where it comes with like one cable, one small practice amp, one yeah. base. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, right of passage. Yeah, exactly. But no, you know, Fender was always my jam. And um, when I finally was like touring to a status that was worthy going into the Fender office and they they were like, here's your artist paperwork. I was like, whoa, you know, and um, and so Fender was always just like uh, just the pinnacle of bassist for me. Um, so I was with Fender for a long time, still am. Uh, and then met a company called Roscoe. They're out of North Carolina. Oh yeah. Uh, and they make some incredible bases. Uh, when I first met them, it was, uh, well, saying to him, it was a little more like jazz oriented look orientation. Uh, but the best playing bass I've ever touched in my life. And I just kind of told them, I was like, man, if you have a, 
if you ever have a bass that looks more like this, let me know. Uh, so a year later, they hit me up and they were like, hey, man, we're doing this road-worn series. And uh, they started sending me basses that were just out of this world, sounded great, uh, felt amazing. Uh, the first bass they sent me was like 10 pounds. And so the you can just feel it vibrate and just uh, it just sounds so good. That's it's awesome. a PJ setup. And then oh, just... Okay. Four, um, four string five five yeah i feel like with i, saw, I feel like i've mostly seen you play five is that yeah, what you primarily yeah. play? uh with fgl like once joey moyt started producing he had that low b flat um there was a moment where i was down to an a for a few songs that's like a gospel dude five string tune <laughs> yeah. down a whole step man yeah yeah uh and so that t- definitely takes a special bass to <laughs> stay in tune and and handle that looseness. You ever thought about uh, a buddy of mine had a six string that he strung F, low F sharp Whoa. to uh, to, G. to G? Interesting. I've never thought of doing Dude, that. that. He had had the strings custom that bottom string custom made. I played it in. Uh, this venue in texas for a couple of weeks while mine was in the shop i had one bass at this time as my first bass gig but there's like a 3300 person venue and they had touring acts it was a big production yeah and like i felt like if i played that string that i was about to explode the whole room man it was uh, you had to play it with such like finesse and yeah. like fine touch you could dig in on the rest of the bass but that string was just like i felt like i was about to blow out every sub in the place uh, yeah, yeah it was pretty awesome i've there, never seen anybody do that before though i'm sure someone has oh i'm sure yeah there was one time where we got the text that i'm sure every person watching this has gotten where it's like hey man the artist would like to try this and it was taking a song down another half step and i was down to a low a flat and i was just like the the philly came out in me and i was at our music director i was like this doesn't make sense this is not a good idea this will not work <laughs> i promise there's no solution that makes this work or sound good and so and it was like one of those songs that like i had to hit that low note to go up wouldn't make sense it just wouldn't feel right and so i was like i can't go up to the a flat i have to go down it like the progression will sound wrong if i do it the opposite right yeah and uh and so you hit it and you just hear it go whoa whoa and i was just like this is wrong no this is terrible and then i tried it with an octave pedal and that sounded like it was too wonky it was just too low and so can't get it to track that no low. no and it's just like there's no consistency and um and it, it was just like abusive how like how much like you know with the subs and and so i i put my foot down and i was like i'm not playing this and he's like well if they say you're playing it you're playing it. i was like i'll go talk to them right now <laughs> i'm not playing this a flat not playing <laughs> yeah uh, and i think we put like 135s on just to like try to get so <laughs> it was just like this huge string. telephone yeah, cable i was just like god bless so luckily that didn't stick around they like sung it once and they were like no that's too low i was like Whew, thank god <laughs> deer and beer Here's and we're back <laughs> Um, I can't remember. What, oh, we were just talking about uh, the, the super low strings and my buddy playing that six string. So his his bass was a a Steve Bailey like his his personal bass for a while. Yeah, six string, black with the the tortoise 
pit guard yeah, yeah. and a, a rosewood board. It was a beautiful bass, and there's a big old neck, man. But he put that F sharp on there, and it was it was bonkers. And I, he sold that bass to somebody, and then called him and was like, "Hey, I need to buy that bass back," and uh, <laughs> they sold it back to him. Oh wow! If you can probably had a markup. I, I well, <laughs> I, I don't know how I don't know the logistics, but just being able to do that, I, the one bass I've ever sold was just nothing special. You, I could buy one like it for six hundred dollars just a lakeland yeah. skyline 5501 with the soap bars in it yeah the same guy that has the the six string gave me this bartolini preamp that was just preamp that was he took out of something at some point nobody knew what it was yeah put it in there made the bass sound amazing when i found this bass uh i needed to, i needed some money to fund that bass so i had to sell it and then Two years later, I tried to track the guy down and buy it back, and could never find the guy. Dang, I have a few of those. Like the, I bought a bass in college. It, it was a no namer, like should have been playing in Coheed and Cambria type of bass, big soap bar uh, pickup, and um, I mean it, it looked like I should have been in a death metal band. And I played like pop punk growing up, so um, I loved it. And but you know, poor college kid, I was like. Right probably spent a hundred bucks to buy it and probably sold it for 50 you know it's like one of those but um it's like one of those bases of like dang i wish i just kept that you know i haven't sold anything since because i just can't bring myself yeah. to like if if i start selling if anybody ever sees me selling stuff online just holler at your boy <laughs> something something's wrong yeah, <laughs> that's not sure. that's not my move yeah. you know I, I sold one recently um to buy a different one i always wanted a jack cassidy so i sold like that's the epi hollow right yeah, yeah 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 um i sold one that just like i never played i didn't love um and it was like a break-even scenario i was like i'm not gonna miss this one uh and so i bought that hollow and i was just like this is what i've been needing that's so, dope i yeah. i do want one of those every time i do a session on bass i borrow one from my buddy johnny stanton yeah. shout out to johnny stanton um and his is like an 80s uh 80s Epiphone hollow body with the the a mute on the bridge that you can oh. like pull up and it's got flats on it that's and cool. it's like thumpy and round it's, yeah. it's a really it's a really cool sound that's cool yeah I put flats on mine and when I was out with Ryan Hurd this past fall that's like there's a few songs where I was like I just need like a different sound right and so I was like this is the this is the moment I've been waiting for like a reason to buy this uh, where I can tell my wife like listen I actually do need another bass and this is why I came up with a reason you're gonna want to hear it yeah hear me out uh, and it was just like I started playing and I was like yes this is it my fiance won't let me buy basses I would really like to have a four string jazz bass yeah I just got uh, Roscoe to build me essentially like the sting model where it's like the natural blonde um with telly the, base uh no j base oh, four, okay. four j like uh we were talking about it I, I, oh it's like his 59 or yeah uh, no i just kept finding these 70s bases at like um sam ash or, or guitar center out in california and then we go to chicago music exchange and i'd always just find these bases and they were like they always sounded so good but they were either in bad condition or overpriced or whatever it was and i was just like you know in that at that moment where it was like, do I really need to spend two grand on a bass that like one, I kind of need a five string and this would be more of a passion buy than like a purposeful, um, My man. and so I eventually just sent a picture to them and I was like, 
I've been chasing this bass for years now. And uh, so, yeah, it's like natural blonde. They made it road worn. It looks like a 77. Um, the maple neck with the light inlays, which big, is always hard big to Big logo, big headstock uh, vibe. Or no, like the no, 70s no, no. logo 70s. vibe. Yeah, yeah. So, and it, it plays so good. And so anytime I'm learning like the Marcus Miller type stuff, it's always like, let me grab this bass. You know, it's like such a vibe. So, and it, it just feels amazing. Well, so. now I wish you had brought that. I should have. This should have brought that. The Roscoe. Way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and for our listeners, that's Roscoe with an E, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. R O S C O E. Yep. Yeah. Okay. They're awesome. Um, Is Roscoe Beck one of their endorsed artists? <laughs> no. He should be. Yeah, he should be. Um, no, I need to. Uh, I'll send you some. I'll send you a picture of that, and then the subway. Um, maybe you can link it or something. I can uh, edit it in there, and, yeah. or link it, or whatever. Yeah, whatever. I, yeah, I'd, I'd post like, you know, to the best of my ability, sometimes there's like, we say a bunch of stuff and I forget, but yeah. <laughs> I do yeah. what I can. I try to put anything in there. And sometimes I go back and be like, we don't need a link to this. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no worries. We didn't even really talk about it for two seconds. Yeah. It was <laughs> nothing to do with anything else yeah. that was happened. For no, sure. I got you in the notes. Thank you. My, uh, my son got home and we were doing like the whole dinner and bath. And then I was like, oh. I gotta go, so that's why I have nothing with me. So, well, my bad. It's all good, man. <laughs> uh, you got stories and experiences. Um, so, you said you moved here in '07. Yeah. Okay, and you were working at Starbucks. Did you did you do the downtown thing, or were you just like hitting up rounds, or how did uh, how did you get your toe in the door? Yeah, I I didn't do downtown. Um, so I don't even remember who told me this. They were like, don't go downtown. You'll make too much money and you'll never, you'll never leave. And I was like, all right. So that was back like when I felt like it was a little more segregated where you either played downtown or you toured. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of crossover. Sure. Like there is now, like all the touring guys go down there now. Totally. Well, a lot of them anyway. There's yeah, there's, so many stages. Sorry, my back is like killing me. Oh, you're good. Um, and so I never did that. I, uh, did a lot of writers rounds, did a lot of like, uh, just random, whatever I could find, whoever I met at Starbucks that connected me with so-and-so that played, you know, and did this. And so, um, I did a lot of actually like a ton of guitar stuff in the first say you played some guitar. Yeah. yeah. So you were doing like a guitar accompaniment and things. Yeah. Yeah. Same harmony. hundred percent. Yeah. A lot of writers that needed a guitar player or like a random band where I'd play electric and. Um, I just couldn't like shred. I couldn't chicken pick. I couldn't shred. And, um, I, it was just like one of those where everybody always needed a bass player. Once you got out of that, like one on, you know, extra guitar player, like, Oh, we're got a band. Do you know any bass players? I was like, actually, I'm a way better bass player. (laughs) Um, (laughs) and so that's kind of how it like all happened. But, um, yeah, I played a ton of guitar the first few years and then everything kind of like, I felt like came through Starbucks where it was just like a friend heard a friend needed a bass player or a guitar player or, Hey, this band, like one of the girls I worked with worked at a management company and she was like, what of our bands need a merch guy? Do you want to go do that? And I was like, sure. Sounds good. So I like, I learned how to tour selling t-shirts, but it was cool. It was like really good experience because by the time I got out with FGL and that rocket ship just took off, like I already knew, knew how to be to on the bus. And to- yeah. Yeah. I had guys I could call and be like, Hey, how do you do this? It, for me, it was more like learning the business side than the music side. I already already seen, you know, tours through uh, arenas you know and so i like i knew that side it was more of like how do i handle myself as a professional musician so yeah. um so it was cool like it, you know in the moment i was miserable selling t-shirts because all i wanted to do was be on stage but yeah. it really prepped me for what became like 
a pretty wild ride. You paid so. some dues, essentially. Yeah, some would say that for sure. I, I mean, that's there's so many different ways to pay your dues. Yeah. I haven't done the merch thing, but I've really toughed it out on the road. And you teched, right? I did, and I and I did tech, but I I teched for Seether at like the height of their career. I would call that like some dues paying. I did like twelve shows. Okay. <laughs> I still and it was like the literally the easiest thing i've ever done and probably the most money t- i, I <laughs> take it back awesome. yeah, yeah it wasn't paying dues it was a, f- a foolish for me to tell them that i didn't want to do it full time <laughs> from a financial standpoint and i'm being serious because yeah. it was really good money and again i had to do nothing like my biggest concern was like i think the first weekend out uh dale who's the bass player sweetheart one of the original guys uh from south africa so he's even cuter because of his his accent. <laughs> his you know he's like a mate got piss need need a trash can, and I was like, okay, okay. And I went to my buddy who was like uh, head of the crew, and I was like, uh, he says he needs a piss and wants a trash can, and he's like, he's a fucking rock star. Get him whatever he asks for. <laughs> then and I, and I was like, can. I was like, that's how we're doing this and he said yeah and i was like sweet all i need to know yeah. from then on i was just like anything he wanted i just made sure and the only thing i ever had to do was get a trash can occasionally you know <laughs> that's awesome the, yeah. there was like three bass changes of the show and he played acoustic uh they did nutshell by alex and allison chains with yeah. him playing guitar and sean singing and other than that it was like three bass changes and make sure there's cold beer and water is that the easiest just so easy man those guys are still out there too oh yeah yeah Yeah. they're still they're still doing the thing doing tours dude and like they put on such a good show and they've got so many just amazing hits like when i first started for the band definitely heard 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 of them couldn't tell you a name of single single one of their songs i was like i'm sure i'll recognize it and i I swear i recognized every song that they played the first gig i was like oh that's them oh (laughs) that's them some people you don't realize how many hits they have until you watch a full show where they're only playing bangers dude they uh, that's all they had for like like six years they were just knocking it out of the park such great tunes and like you know yeah they're rock songs but like they had just had such great sense of melody and songwriting. It was just really good. All that, nothing but good things to say about all that experience. But uh, yeah, th- those were not dues. Those were those were easy, except for one. T- <laughs> uh, and I don't remember this guy's name. I think his, his name might have been Richie. Me and my buddy. Uh, it was a different TM because we were doing fly dates. They weren't on a like full tour, so it was you know just whoever was available one time we had britney spears manager and it was this old dr phil looking motherfucker (laughs) and and he was being like real creepy with some chicks and me and my buddy dave uh were like sitting up at the other end of the lounge just like watching him be like god this guy is gross and then like talking (laughs) like talking shit to him but like over his head he didn't understand and then like laughing and we laughed so hard that night and the next day i woke up and this is like during swine flu like oh nine or whatever or uh not swine flu but uh h1n1 yeah, yeah yeah and uh i woke up the next morning and i was sick and he's like fuck man you laughed so hard you got the flu <laughs> And this guy was a suit. I mean, he looked just like Dr. Phil, dude. <laughs> I was still laughing in my head at Dr. Phil look at motherfucker. Uh, dude, what was that? Uh, I saw a meme the other day 
and I can't remember what it was. It was uh, uh, great content. Yeah. Um, everybody wait while I try to. Let's, uh, let's clip that one, guys. Yeah. Keep that in there. Yeah. I had to, uh, and I'll tell you later, I had to edit a couple of things out of this past episode. Like I've never had to edit oh, yeah. stuff out before. Oh, I, Man, I w- Boo comes and the, <laughs> I went on a couple the drama of, turns up. I went on a couple of rants. Um, and I, like, it wasn't bad. But it was in maybe in poor taste a little bit, and I wasn't like, you know, whatever. Like any of my opinions matter to anyone anyway. Uh, but I edited some stuff out. Got a little loose lipped. Yeah, you know, I, I, did I was trying I to be funny, and I was very funny. But no one will ever see or hear it. <laughs> yeah, we should have a we should have a whiskey and cigars and and uh gear episode i have been and tom would be a great guy for that because tom and i actually met smoking cigars at casa where uh was it during a a monday night uh cowboys eagles game as well that'd be amazing if it it was we 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 either (laughs) it was either next week and we were talking about it or it was during that game yeah 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 i remember yeah i remember having that discussion oh you're from dallas huh i was like well i guess i gotta hate you (laughs) yeah (laughs) but you know uh uh, sports are something that I enjoy, but I, I'm not like, despite my cowboy star tattooed on my leg and that <laughs> photograph of Tom Landry on the wall, um, and the yeah, other pe- uh, cowboys paraphernalia. Like, I'm not one of those like, I'm not a a Scottish soccer hooligan about football, right? And I thought that it was fun to be able. I mean, you know, slight ribbing with each yeah, other yeah. about it, but like, you know, it's sports, guys. Re- relax, yeah. I can't be one of those guys, but I'm very, very into sports, and it's really hard because Cowboys are terrible. <laughs> well, you know, we have T.O. that really just unites we can, us. We, yeah, we can both hate him together. Yeah. <laughs> he was put up a lot of numbers for both Whew, of us. I was going to say, everybody hated him, but he was one of the most underrated, most talented people. I, I don't. I think that he was only underrated because everyone hated him so yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like when he was with the Eagles, head. he had more receiving yards than the rest of the wide receivers combined. And I was like, "Dear Lord, it was insane!" Like when they said his stats, you're just like, "That's like MJ stats." Like, yeah. what the hell? Yeah, he was and, definitely had great stats. And it sounded like his manager was just, or his agent was just buffoon and if i was the eagles i would have been like you got two choices you can leave or fire your agent <laughs> you know and it's like probably would have solved think, most of the issues i think that the way the rest of his life played out it became apparent that it wasn't his agent it well, was yeah. him <laughs> yeah unfortunately yeah he yeah he, he was you know, so talented he had a totally. tv show right for a minute he had a bunch of different things that he, he like talked his way out of eventually <laughs> you know He's, well, yeah, that's a yeah, that's so. enough to talk fuck that guy <laughs> Uh, so you said that you were doing the you were doing some writing and some producing like yeah. back in the day you said you don't do it anymore now you're doing financial advising which is awesome uh wealth management yeah. as, we, as we discussed uh yeah. pardon my term slip there no, no, no. Um, work when when you were like did you did you ever get anything cut did you yeah i had like a few things um i wrote a song called 25 years with this artist dan rodriguez um and then i have a song with uh nate smith called reckless um and both of those are you know a couple million streams and uh, i've made you know eighty dollars so you know (laughs) yeah so writing was very profitable no i you know i got some 
I got a bunch of like indie cuts with some friends and random people and then sure. had uh you know a lot of um email promising emails that were like great song a lot, a lot of industry yeah, fluff yeah. and smoke and so um you know I, I chased it down for a minute and I was like, well, I, I'm either that scenario where I'm going to do this for 10 years and then all of a sudden become the guy or I'm not very good. <laughs> um, and I don't, I don't necessarily it's, think I wasn't good. I'm about to say, I don't think it's about being good. It's about knowing how to, how to write for the, whose ears you need to write for to right. get it in front of whoever else it has to be good but you also have to like almost essentially market while you're writing for sure like yeah anymore yeah that's a whole nother nashville <laughs> topic so did, did you have a a, a pub deal or I were you didn't. freelance i didn't have a pub deal I that's had, the best way to do it right yeah without a publisher but with people that have publishers and write good right. stuff then their publisher does the work and you can hopefully 100 percent. and like i was your rights i was getting like a ton of rights uh so fgl had the bu- the tree vibes bus from their publishing company yeah. and i would write with a ton of those guys and sunny and, tree uh <laughs> that's what it should have been called um no, and so like I, you know i i got to write with a ton of guys i shouldn't have been in a room with you know and um you know like just a ton of guys i won't even go through the names but anyways um it just always comes down to like is there an artist in the room like we were kind of talking about and then i'm i'm really good at that like singer songwriter like kind of independent vibe where it's just like we could write the hell out of a sad song but i couldn't write the like real country fgl like hardy type stuff that just isn't how i grew up that's not the music i grew up listening to so those songs always felt very forced it's like like the rural pop kind of thing i wrote some banger pop songs where like um you know like i wrote one with this dude from sony and they were like you know it did the whole like this is it we're gonna get this artist cut and you know it was like a it it ran through like two or three different pop artists that it was like this is they're about to cut it and i think one did it was like one of those and and they cut it and then it didn't make the record and pop's really weird because pop like if they hear something like they'll cut it that doesn't mean anything they're just like want to hear their voice on it i guess i don't know it's really weird i've talked to la guys about it and it's like super confusing but um you know the country side of it like maybe had like two or three songs that maybe got a second listen but probably not uh and so like as fun as that was for me and i like produced some stuff for like you know brand new bands and i was just like this is fun it's just maybe not for me and not how i want to spend the next 30 years of my life um maybe it's more of just like a hobby and things i like to do especially with certain people there's still a lot of friends i like if they asked me to write, I'd be like, hell yeah, let's go write, you know? Um, but in terms of doing it five days a week, um, you know, trying to write grinding 20 to 30 songs a month, like, and, especially and if were you, you writing that deal. much? I was. Yeah. So I would, I would get off the road and write Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, if I was home, um, as much as I could. Wow. So, that's a beat down. If you're yeah. also on the road. Yeah, it was, it was pretty tiring. And, and so I think it was a mix of like not feeling like I was making headway, even if I was, um, you know, like taking meetings with like different publishing companies and like, I had a lot of friends where I think they were maybe trying to help me in terms of like, Hey man, just keep writing and I'll send you people that we are published with, but like save your publishing. I think that's what they were trying to do. Um, but 
to me, I heard, you're not good enough for my pub deal. You know what I mean? And Man, so it was this like weird crazy. juxtaposition of like, I think they were trying to help me by giving me more money um, in the long run. But uh, it was just, man, it was a grind, you know? And like, if you can have a, a, a deal like that where you write with somebody who people are wanting to listen to and you don't have to get a pub deal. Yeah. That's uh, that's the way to do it, but I mean, but that's the needle in the haystack. Yeah, yeah, and sometimes <laughs> you need that affirmation of a team that you feel like you have someone supporting you and cheerleading, and like, and, and like when you write do something away from that person, yeah, then there's an avenue for whatever it is that for you're sure. Yeah. And so, I, you know, it just starts to feel pretty lonely, and like, mm-hmm. um, and and so, you know, that's uh, that was my issue, I guess. Man, if we're going I have with therapy, <laughs> so much. I have so much respect for for artists uh now that i've worked with a couple that have a pub deal and then they're also constantly on the road uh so they're writing like you you know kind of like you said like three four times a week uh if not more uh, when they're home and then they're also on the road yeah like three or four you know whatever the other number is the opposite of that days a week as well and if that artist lands a hit and they're on the road more then you start having riders that are just out with you for a couple of weeks and yeah you got to do it on the road too and carve out time and the artist's life is uh one of no time Yeah, yeah for sure yeah man it was cool like you know it was like one helped the other but at the same time i just always felt exhausted well i yeah i think if if uh at a certain point if you're not if you're not an artist and you're not making artist money but you're also on the road yeah yeah. uh then you probably just kind of have to pick one at a certain point or yeah uh, for sure yeah i mean i understand kind of like being like all right if this if i don't feel like this is a hundred percent for me then it's not worth doing because it takes that much time for sure investment you know yeah and then yeah it's just like at some point it if you're gonna grind and like put all your energy into something like there was it was getting to the point where i would like show up to rights and be like i don't know i don't have a good idea i don't have a good melody i don't have and like i started doing tracks too and and then like if you've like run out of tracks because like you've used the last 10 and you haven't had time to make new ones it just turned into like more stress for me and so it was just like one of those and um and then the track there was like it was it was right at the pinnacle of like um track guys becoming a thing and then like the real georgia like hardy and that kind of writing becoming a thing and i was like i don't know where to go (laughs) you know like i can't this feels really awkward the track thing i could definitely go down but then it's just like do i want to sit in front of a computer all day you know it's just like i kind of talk myself out of both um and then simultaneously simultaneously met a guy that had a a firm that did financial advising and wealth management and um we started talking about how i think there was a need in the industry and yada 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 next thing i know he was like why don't you just take your series 7 and 66 and and then i just kind of like spent all my time studying for those tests and um and uh i saw more longevity in that kind of career than i did as a songwriter um whether that was like self-pity or just like not sticking to that no, I think Pace. I think that kind of honesty is really smart and and it's something that musicians tend to not be able to do cuz we all think that like oh I should be able to do this. Yeah. Uh you know, be it like I mean it could be being the jazz guy in New York yeah. or it it could be being a producer or songwriter or whatever uh and then like you subconsciously realize 
that you don't like it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But then you you're like, no, I'm going to do this, and and then you do ten years of it, and ten years go by, and then you realize you hate it. Yeah. I think I respect people that are like, uh, not that I'm not saying that you hate songwriting, but like <laughs> yeah. maybe you you know if it, if it wasn't for you, you might have gotten there. You know what I mean? Right. I think I, I respect it more when people have the balls to be like. Yeah, this is not for me in yeah. terms of an everyday for the next 30 years kind for of thing. For sure. So I'm just going to do something else. Dude, like if Matt Nathanson or like Amos Lee or someone called me and they were like, let's write my next record, I'd be like, sign me up, let's go. Right. You know, like that whole Ben Harper, that whole space was like, I can write songs like that all day. And like I, I have a lot of songs I'm really proud of that I think were really great songs. Um, but in terms of like you said, you know, sitting through – finding that like synth patch i was like oh my gosh shoot me you know like <laughs> let's let's sample 22 different snares i was just like let's just get to the fun part where we're like making the music you know what i mean so producing kind of like as fun as that is i just didn't have the like maybe i'm too add or something to like sit through well, that producing means something very different these days than the for sure in the classical sense like a lot of people still think about it right like especially those not associated in the industry like, oh dude yeah like producing a bonnie rate record would be yeah. way more fun yeah all right we're all ready go yeah, yeah. i saw some meme where it was like uh producers uh what everyone thinks i do and it's like you know guy over a big board and then it's like you know what i actually do and it's a guy with his uh hand in his hand and just <laughs> scrolling clicking yeah. on yeah. you know checking different yeah. plugins and yeah dude it's stupid. so yeah man so anyway so i've been doing uh wealth management for the last like five years and it's great a lot of fun i i love it yeah that's good and it's fun to help like you know peers and uh i can like obviously having experienced everything everybody else does in my in this industry um you know i can speak to everybody in a different way than most financial advisors would um and then i you know i'm always, i've always for the last like 15 years have been the money guy where i'm asking the questions that annoy managers and business managers because i'm like well how are we getting paid why are we getting paid like that why can't we get paid like this you know how's this union work how's this um and so to be able to like not only take all that that I've learned over the last 10 years, but like help guys like this is called an IRA. This will give you money when you're 50, <laughs> you know, like yeah. um, you're awesome to do that, man. Yeah. It's, it's been like a bit of a passion project. Um, cause I've seen so many guys over the years where it's like, you know, they get let go or they quit and, and they're completely fucked. Yeah. And then they're selling gear, you know, and you're like, you just toured for 30 years. How do you, why are you hawking gear already? You know? And so, uh, to me, like, uh it's been cool to be able to like legally <laughs> and license uh do, you know help people and not just be like the guy that's like giving unwarranted advice it's like no 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 <laughs> like i'm really good at this i promise you know <laughs> like, yeah uh, so it's been cool yeah you are listening to the gear and beer podcast today's episode is sponsored by bobby jam's kitchen Want to take your home cooking to the next level? Need new recipe ideas or meal inspiration? Like, follow, and subscribe to Bobby Jam's Kitchen on YouTube and Instagram. At Bobby Jam's Kitchen. Cook your food and eat it.
Lennon, you said you had a question. Yeah. Um, so how do you, uh, uh, how do you balance the like wealth management, financial advising with being on the road? Is, yeah. it, is it something you can do while you're on the road? Oh, yeah, or? yeah, yeah. That's phone, A lot of phone calls and computer time? Yeah, most of it's internet. As long as I have internet, I'm good. Um, or a phone call, you know, like uh, most of the stuff we do is long-term retirement planning. So I'm not like day trading. Um, yeah. And so a lot of it is just communicating with the clients as needed. And then, you know, reading news, following up on, uh, you know, anything I need to do for a certain portfolio. But most of that is just internet. And so... Um, it's funny. I met with a lot of business managers over the last couple of years and that's always what they asked me. And I'm like, you're a business manager. Like you, you should know better than anybody. My schedule is like, I don't have anything till like two 30 when I finally sound check for 12 minutes. And then I go back to the bus until 9 PM. <laughs> like, yeah. and, yeah, so you know, really that's kind of ideal. Then you have yeah, a lot of downtime, so much downtime. Day. And that was kind of like the other thing too, is like, that's the beauty of bus travel, man, because you don't get that with van travel. You no. don't get that with air travel, No, but waking up on site and then having like a day to like get something done or go see a town or you know go on a hike or whatever be a financial manager uh, yeah edit your podcast do do yoga like whatever it is like you actually have time because you're all the all the traveling happens while you are unconscious for sure yeah i struggled with it when like when we made it whatever and all of a sudden we started playing these bigger event uh uh uh, venues like you just kind of sit around all day and you're like mm-hmm. well now what do i do <laughs> you know and so it was kind of perfect to find that kind of career where i could take it on the road you know and, and then i i'm gone like maybe thursday usually friday saturday so it's like one day on the road most of my work is done monday through thursday when i'm home uh and so it's been really easy there's been like one or two days where um i've had to like there's three or four other people in the office that i can kind of ask for help um, if we're going to be somewhere weird there, that there's not going to be service or like a busy travel day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know something's coming up. I can just like relay emails and be like, Hey, could you help coordinate this or take care of this? And so, you know, there's a support team, um, that also can kind of help, uh, if, if I'm unavailable. Uh, but for the most part, I mean, most of our days are so easy. Okay. Um, yeah. I just, you know, get up and pop up the laptop and get to work so that's great man yeah that's been cool that's like the perfect way to have i mean you have two full-time careers yeah yeah really sure it's been great hell yeah hell yeah yeah hell yeah (laughs) raise hell praise dale all right tom it's question time let's go i don't want too much thought into okay. any of these questions i'm going to ask you to pick between a lot of things that don't make any sense <laughs> uh and then again as, as i said earlier it may get a little more reflective and you'll have to give some l- short answers right. later but my two-year-old son started going hmm okay okay <laughs> <laughs> what do you want for dinner hmm, hmm. yogurt okay hmm. perfect <laughs> i'm gonna start doing that. yeah. that's a, that's a good move it it's, is uh one of one of suave yeah. a suave move i don't know smooth that was bad son of a bitch. grammar yes yeah, smooth <laughs> son of a bitch the first question is and will always be to every guest metallica or megadeth metallica miles or coltrane miles matheny or schofield oh schofield that was a tough one <laughs> did my dog just bark I, I don't know what that was 
It's like a burp or a fart or a bark, something. <laughs> Both. A, a furp. <laughs> a, a, a bart. A bart. <laughs> uh, David Lee Roth or Sammy Hagar? Ooh. David Lee Roth. I will accept the both if you want to do both. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I choose both, personally. <laughs> Steve Vai or Joe Satriani? Satriani. That is, I think you're the first person to pick Satriani. Oh, okay. <laughs> this is my favorite question because it's so stupid, but Ingve uh, or James Burton? <laughs> Pass? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's a, th- I mean, <laughs> neither... I think that the reason that I wrote that is because they could not be less alike. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think the obvious choice is James Burton. But, <laughs> oh, excuse me. Uh, John Petrucci or Paul Gilbert? Oh. Petrucci. Petrucci. The beer is getting in my way. My next question. Oh, God. And I'm just going to read it like it's written, <laughs> even though it's, I made some sort of mistake. <laughs> Actually, maybe that this is a, a a great confluence of events. The next question is Getty Lee or Getty Lee. <laughs> that's good. I don't think that's what I meant to do. It used to be but somebody you, you else. Kinda, that's like the perfect. Yeah, Getty Lee. I think. Yeah, that's, that's that is the right answer. You are correct. <laughs> Jazz good. or metal? Jazz. I never got in the metal. I mean, like I did. I dip They're my toe too, in it. I think I I juxtaposed them because they are uh, as completely. I think I used that word wrong, but that's okay because I'm not <laughs> I'm not very smart. Uh, they couldn't be more different. Yeah, jazz is improvisational by nature. Metal is th- exactly the opposite. Yeah. So, and yeah. two very different and like levels of dynamics. Yeah. And, and metal don't really exist whereas jazz is all about dynamics. right yeah i appreciate both i've played both yeah fair a, a whole bunch i grew up on like my mom actually i was just going through my records and my mom has like 12 neil diamond records she gave me and then like jim croce i grew up on a lot of like songwriter type yeah. that kind of thing uh and so i think i just went to the jazz because of that and metal always just was like a lot of jazz players on yeah, that stuff yeah. i was like do we always have to be on 12 no yeah we do okay <laughs> yeah yeah that's kind of the sorry requirements of metal live or session that's not fair uh live that's a good choice a lot of people say session and i understand and i personally hope that i never have to choose but yeah. um, <laughs> no well, i don't because i'm asking the question yeah, around here fair i was just think of like uh like bruce hornsby live at the what is it the town hall like there's a dvd of him uh and, and like ben harper live at mar mar somewhere or like or even um uh uh who am i thinking paul simon at the uh you know like all the uh, or like sting um he has this documentary called all this all this time all this time uh, terrible with names apparently uh but like when you like just know the class the problem is you have to know that the studio to appreciate the live you know that's what sure that's, that's the the long answer because you want to be short but um but i think yeah, whatever but I, I there's something about like here like let's let's take the studio and make it more fun here's like a, a take on it i always love that so 
that is cool the fleeting sense of the live performance like mm. if it if you go over something and it sucks guess what there's tomorrow yeah 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 but on the session like they're not gonna redo that session tomorrow no. so you better get it right and it better yeah. be better be serving the song for sure um uh, where am i uh do you use compression live does there compression on that subway yeah, well i use the mxr compressor oh, okay and then i'm sure they do it seems to be uh a must with bass oh you're talking about foh uh, yeah yeah well i do i use the mxr compressor okay and then i'm sure they use it everywhere how, else too how are you run are you changing it at all or are you just kind of no, setting it's just it on so it's like it's kind of to my touch where i want it someone explained it to me um that it's uh not necessarily like an audio thing it's more of a feel thing where it's like if you can get it to respond the way you want it that's how a compressor should be and that's always how i've kind of use my compressors so it's probably a very light ratio yeah very light. yeah releases pretty quick and but it, it's more of like uh i don't know it just kind of like cleans me up a bit um and so that's it, it gives you that extra sustain in those yeah. big rooms it just is where like you a don't have thing. yeah an amp right behind you um that's one of those like that's what i learned on my in the early years and it's always stuck with me and that's how i've always approached it so. i i just i almost never use compression on anything live recently i started using it on guitar in certain spots and i have compression in my api gi that i use um but it is not usable in a live sense so mm. i've been thinking about adding a compressor to my baseboard as well yeah everybody likes the mxr um yeah it's great i don't think that i don't know that i've used it they used their di i don't love their di the the color parameters are kind of like narrow to me mm. from an eq standpoint yeah yeah that the, and the api is notched as well as the I've, so i actually have two di's on my board i have an api and an ampeg scr yeah and i'm running running the ampeg into the api really sounds like an svt to me okay or you can kind of do the b15 thing and throw some overdrive on it mm. and it's like a really you know with a, a two boxes i have a really wide variety of sound now they're both large like the scrs like that and the api is i mean have you ever yeah. seen that thing oh, yeah yeah it's ridiculous it's yeah. actually absurdly <laughs> sized but i guess that's how you get it to sound so good it's got all the the transformers and things right. that give all you the, the api sound all the fancy stuff anyway compression you use it <laughs> <laughs> uh jazz or precision uh jazz just nine times out of ten i i i agree we're in the minority yeah on this show anyway oh yeah pete yeah oh gosh P yeah pete to me pete does one thing jay's i can manipulate a lot more you can do a couple of things with p but you can't make it sound like a J. And right. with a J, you do the right thing to the neck pickup, and you can kind of make it sound like a P. Yeah. So I'm with you there too, man. I, P's I, uh, were a little too like narrow, punchy. J was a little more well-rounded. I could use effects and pedals to create a more uh, thumpy, precise woody sound, thing. whatever I mm -hmm. needed. Um, I didn't like how P's responded to overdrive 
an octave. Well, not I shouldn't say octaves, but Jay, yeah, Jay's for what I, I've been doing for the last ten years just made the most sense. Not to say I don't use a P here and there. But. Well, sure, and you know I, I've been playing P most of the time, but if I have to pick just, and that it just works for the gigs that I'm doing. Yeah. But if I have to pick just one bass, I'm going to pick a jazz. Or for sure. Like a dog hair. <laughs> uh, that one Roscoe I have is a PJ, and that is great you know i i would like to have a five string pj that would be that would be cool i need to talk to somebody about that yeah, yeah. But um jay is my answer yeah good answer i'm with you um this just reading this question uh i don't mean for this to sound uh rude but <laughs> I, this is a, an honest question i like that and so this is i'm gonna read it as i have it written which is not as funny as getty lee or getty lee <laughs> but uh it's do you know who john paul jones is <laughs> yeah. yes okay well, a lot of, i don't think a lot of people do oh really yeah oh. and i i told i think i was talking to Lyndon when i wrote this but in here it says jpj awareness month in april <laughs> <laughs> so true. apparently in april i aim to bring awareness to john paul jones like and that. his it, at the very least undersung abilities yeah there's a, hardly a more creative bass player in the history of yeah bass playing i agree there's i mean yeah without especially without the notoriety that right. that typically affords someone yeah yeah that's probably the more accurate statement it's like most bass players that are super creative getting lee uh get the credit you know yeah. or you know pino or someone like that where yeah I agree with that. And Getty Lee's credit, he's also singing uh, <laughs> and playing synths. Yeah, yeah. And often doing it all at the same time. Right, right. You know, their songs are not hard enough as it is, I guess. Um, what is your favorite pedal? Oh. Uh, you know, Tully Kennedy gave me a, a bass wall pedal. And I try to sneak that in whenever I can. <laughs> uh, you can do some cool stuff, like you can do like a almost like a bass drop sound. Like who, who makes it? Uh, uh, Dunlop. Oh, it's a Dunlop yeah, bass yeah. wall. Yeah, and uh, Tully, when we toured with Aldine, he was playing one, and I was like, "What is that thing?" And uh, he was like, "It's a wah pedal." I was like, "They make it for bass?" <laughs> he was like, "Yes," and he gave me one, and uh, and I've I've used it as much as I can. But you can do some really cool stuff, like um, like instead of like a sub just to do that whoa you know you can kind of like create it a bit and then um like some big deep slides you can use and then uh with um some overdrive you can get some kind of cool i i would stuff. love to, i don't think i've ever done that. i just actually back in the day i was a wah pedal guy I always had a wah pedal i still yeah. have my old wah pedal it's been broken i've had several people try to fix it everybody except for dunlop for whatever reason but <laughs> um and no one can and then uh i have my buddy adam's mini wall that i just recently put on my guitar board and those things are so fucking hard to use yeah the footprint it's like when you're <laughs> yeah. trying to control the the cue yeah. and it's like i have to like get my get my foot used to being on a place that doesn't make sense right and then based on where it is on my board and then i'm uh accidentally turning on my tuner every now and again <laughs> and losing my signal altogether yeah, I put mine. I, I used to put mine at the top of the board because I thought in my head I'll be up higher, so it'll be easier to get. And same thing, your foot slides off, and you would turn on your turn off something, turn on an overdrive. And so I put it on the very far left. So I was like, I either fall off the board or turn on an octave, which is a t 
terrible. You know what I mean? Most people would be like, what'd you do? No, nothing. doesn't matter. Good. I didn't do anything. Yeah. Not me. Yeah. Who are you talking about? What Sounded you? great, didn't it? <laughs> You're faking the rest of that, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pretty do, much. Do you have a favorite venue? Ooh. Okay. Pick so, your favorite one. I don't yeah. care if you have one or not. Pick one. Uh, so, like, obviously, most people say Guilford, New Hampshire, because they have, like, an amusement park backstage, essentially. They have a, um, a Lazy Mile. They have, like... Uh, they play what about bob all day long because that's where that was filmed oh, in lake winnipesaukee uh they have like s'mores and and they give you uh, a hoodie or like pajamas or like they have bikes you can take they have basketball courts they have like they give you lobster dinners it's like one of the they really treat the artists really well um if you sell it out they pull out a bottle of pappy you know they make um cookies and then some have a smiley face on it and being in the new England area, it's, uh, you know, wheat cookies. Um, oh. <laughs> I don't know why I was like being discreet about that. <laughs> you said the F word. I'm going to say weed cookie. Uh, and so <laughs> like say that word. Yeah. Uh, and so they, they're just like really generous, uh, to the, to the backstage area, which is always fun. Yeah. That's um, awesome. Like, like faster horses, but grander. exactly, exactly. Yeah. And it's a small venue. I think it's only seven or 8,000. Um, in in terms of amphitheaters, that's like on the smaller side, sure. and so a lot of people uh, very do very small. Yeah, most people do like two three nights there. So, uh, okay. um, but it's always fun. It's like a good time. And then my family lives up there, so I always get to see family I don't get to see. So that's my venue. And what's it called again? Uh, Guilford, New Hampshire. Guilford, New Hampshire. It used to be like a owned by a bank or something. I don't know. So what the ban- venue banks is, will own stuff on. Yeah, you. yeah. It'll you happen. should know this. So, but that's the town it is. Yeah. Okay. Right on. Um. Okay, so off the top of your head, I want the answers to this. I don't okay. no deliberation. Okay, I, I would almost prefer that you have a different answer tomorrow. Kind of, <laughs> kind of off the top of your head. I'm good at that. Yeah. Uh, three Desert Island Records. Oh, okay. Uh, oh shit. Uh, so I'm gonna go uh, James Taylor. Um, out, oh, what's it called? Out of, out of pocket. Um. I'm going to do uh, Headhunters, because why not? And then I'm going to The Herbie? Do, yeah. yeah. And then I'm going to do uh, probably, oh, shit, uh, either a John Mayer or a Fish album, just to like, no, I already did jazz, so John I mean, Mayer. Okay, so let's do one? Continuum. No, no, let's not do that one. Let's do, uh, ooh, no, uh born and raised just because like if you're alone you want to be like extra sentimental interesting yeah you don't want to you don't want to be like pumped up you want to be like retrospective i I think that my favorite john mayer record would still fit into that and mine is battle studies that's that's my favorite record that's kind of like a little bit of uh in your face and sentimental yeah it's all right it's uh, maybe it's like uh like tumultuous yeah. uh, uh, frustrated you know what screw Herbie let's get that out of there I'm gonna do Bruce Hornsby in the range That that's got like mandolin that, rain and the way it is oh I know that record well my favorite record yeah. uh, favorite song on that record is uh, the last one Red Plains yes that's a dude i've worn out that record that's, that's, a, that's a really good one that's so, funny i just randomly like stumbled upon that and uh sent what is it called the valley is that the song uh 
uh, Old Valley Road. That's what it's called. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. And the music video is incredible. Straight 80s. Oh, the the guitar player has this huge hair with a mullet, and I randomly like just started sending it to people. I was like... Linda, <laughs> would you mind making a note? I'm writing them all down Atta right now. boy. Yeah, yeah. That. I, I can't... Uh, what is it called? Uh, the What's Long Valley... Oh, it's. I think it's called. It's just called Bruce. Bruce I know what record it is. The Bruce Hornsby in the range. In the range. Yeah. Okay. It's the record. Yeah. That's just the way it is. Mandolin rain. Yep. Red plains. Uh, Western skyline. Well, uh, yeah. Every little kiss. Every little Every little What a great record. Yeah. That's uh, all George Marinelli playing guitar on that tune. George Marinelli is an unsung hero. He's on that. That's all George. Oh, Marinelli. okay. Also, yeah. Bonnie Raitt's guitar player. Absolutely, oh, Bonnie Raitt. That's another good record. Scott Trayer is a big fan of Marinelli. He likes. He's actually the one that told me that that was Marinelli. I, I confirmed it. Is it yeah. the way it is? Mm-hmm. That's, That's probably the record. the record. Yeah. Okay. Man, but then you, man. All right, I'm just gonna let it be because I was gonna go to like a John Prine record or no. I'll just go to this. You're ever thinking yeah. it? I don't know. You're right. Next time you're on, you yep. can give me different answers. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you? I'm gonna give you one more record, but it's the different. Uh, what give me a guilty pleasure record Ooh, and i think that that's kind of like a misnomer yeah because if you like it it's good and um, guilty is bullshit so paul simon graceland that's not even guilty at all i'm not too guilty about it but yeah, that's a great for record. some reason that went to like that's where i went because you can learn harmonies, you can learn bass, you can learn songwriting so many good songs on that record God, man so many good i put a I show guilty in Chicago, pleasure like if someone were to ask me, I I would say like no strings attached in sync or or oh, okay. or or you know mm. some, uh time and tide by Bosch <laughs> or, or uh, whatever bone thing bone thugs and harmonies ninety nine that's not even guilty <laughs> that's not guilty at all that's uh, fucking, I think like two dollar bill y'all would be a guilty pleasure <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the best hip hop records of <laughs> all time that was my first CD and shots my mom, from the double Glock yeah. dude all that first shit. of the month I I love and absolutely wore that record yeah. out uh, I don't have one that's okay sorry Graceland it is Graceland <laughs> what's it get a piece of advice for aspiring professional musicians assuming that they are listening to this don't do it uh no. <laughs> um no uh save the work for rest of us he really yeah. is a musician yeah um yeah uh it's not about how good of a player you are it's just be a normal human that people want to hang out with that's uh, yeah i think that i would agree with that and add but be able to do your job really well <laughs> yeah 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 be able to at least play the record really, really well and then be fun to hang out with. You have to have big ears. That's that's a that's important. Yeah, for sure. I just hang you know, is hang is hang oh is so, so crucial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've toured with so many people that are so good, and I'm like, oh, that's why you're still at this level. Because when it comes to the rest of the day, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, total pain in the ass. Yeah, but oops. Uh, oh, here we go. What? professional accomplishment are you most proud of oh hmm that's a great question uh oh man in the I, music industry you yeah, obviously yeah, yeah, are yeah. dabbling in multiple industries over here so we'll keep it play, gear related I, like my first thought was i played msg once and that's pretty awesome that's pretty awesome uh and then my next thought was i was getting a breakfast sandwich once at like our local deli and a song i played on 
was on the radio and i was like that's pretty awesome that's pretty awesome so i'm just gonna go those two if i can have two you know i will allow you that hey thanks (laughs) the pleasure has been all mine (laughs) so i have two questions left one i'm going to ask you i'm trying a, a new segment that i meant to try last week and forgot um i want you and it can be one that you just mentioned or it can be something totally different but i want an album of the week recommended listening okay uh oh man um i'm gonna look it up hold on that's fine it's 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 honestly that good and i've told a lot of people about it uh do you know oh theo katzman oh yeah man and oops it's gonna play uh and it's called the album is called uh johnny sings modern johnny sings songs in the age of vibe uh and so for those of you who aren't familiar familiar with theo Kassman, he was in Wolfpack, and okay. that album the song quality the production quality everything is just it's like one of those freaking records that i'm always blown away by every time i listen to it there's something new um whether it's a lyric or a part or something i'm just always like okay so there there's shit, this record you awesome. say Wolfpack, and i assume instrumental so there's vocals yeah yeah it's yeah it, he sings he plays guitar too right yeah yeah really well yeah, yeah, yeah he's like and really can sing his ass off he's been he's done a bunch of other stuff before i know Wolfpack, the name. but Wolfpack is kind of what got him yeah like, yeah yeah to the next level so yeah that record's unbelievable i have one more question okay and this question has a stupid name and it's called the king's corner so tom (laughs) you're in the king's corner and you have to choose (laughs) albert king bb king freddie king earl king carol king or king's x you only get one carol king the the rest are gonna get murdered so you just killed everyone but carol king (laughs) see you later Tapestry for life, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Carol man. King is a, a an addition to th- this this week. I had did yeah. not have that last oh, week. Okay. Uh, have you ever worked with uh, engineer Jared Conrad by chance? No. Uh, he's like, what about Carol King? I was yeah. like, oh, what yeah. about That's Carol King? That was a nice. That one. is a pretty big king yeah. to be yeah. leaving out. I love it. Well, Tom, I don't have any more questions for you, man. Uh, Tom Beaupre philadelphia tennessee fgl luke bryan currently catch him on the road uh let him manage your money he's doing pretty good for himself i bet he can help you out tom thanks again for joining us as always Lyndon twisting and tweaking uh his last name is mccarty it rhymes with guitardy um (laughs) i am your host uh the mentally challenged robert miller and we will see you next time on gear and beer thank you for listening to the gear and beer podcast make sure and subscribe and turn on notifications for our channels and if you haven't already follow our instagram and youtube channels We truly appreciate your support and ask that you please tell anyone you know whom you think might be interested in our podcast about gear and beer to help us grow and continue bringing in great guests from around the industry and beyond. Thanks again, and until the next episode.